Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Yes, 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 yes. You are in the huddle. This is Vincent Bonsignor. Vinny Bonsignor. We are on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. It is Friday. Oh, it's so weird when you cover the NFL for months and months and months and weeks and weeks and weeks and days and days and days, and you get on the NFL schedule to where you know what day it is. It's Tuesday, the off day. It's Wednesday, practice starts. It's Thursday, uh, third down offense, third down defense, talking to the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator. Everything is so structured and so scheduled and beautiful. And then just like that, the season ends, and the NFL season ends a little bit later for some teams and others, and all of a sudden, you're like, what day is it today? I don't even know. Like, everything is completely thrown out of whack, but it is Friday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila Embajador. A uh, really good show today. Uh, our good friend from Pro Football Focus, Sam Monson, will be coming on at 4.30 Pro Football Focus, I think it was this week, uh, it was. It had to have been pretty soon uh, or pretty recently, where they put together their top, I want to say, 200 free agent list. And uh, I was definitely going through it uh, today as I was trying to plot. You know, when you cover the team, you try to think like the people around you think. So what is Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, what are they thinking right now? In, in terms of how they put together uh, this team and really fill some of the holes uh, that I think all of us can see from our vantage points. Offensive line, wide receiver, defensive line, line you know, cornerback. Um, and so, you know, you go through all the scenarios, also understanding there's X amount of money to be able to spend. There's some priority positions to keep an eye on. To me, offensive tackle. Wide receiver are the two biggest priorities with cornerback right there with them. Because we don't know what's going to happen to Casey Hayward. We don't know what the future holds for Trayvon Mullen. I think I like Trayvon Mullen. I think he's a good quality NFL player. But last year was a real struggle for him. To stay on the field. And there's been other instances throughout his young career where, you know, he gets banged up. He's out of the lineup. Um, you know, he needs to be able to put it together to where he plays. You look at Casey Hayward last year. Played every game. I want to say almost every snap, if I, if I remember correctly, but close to it. That is so important. It's so important to have people that you can just rely on that, that, you know, now nothing against Trayvon Mullen. He's legitimately been injured last year with the foot injury. That's just a freak thing. Uh, could happen to anybody. It happened to him, unfortunately, but some of the other injuries, you know, um, he's been banged up making tackles. Uh, there's been concussions. There's been, you know, that sort of thing. Some of that, some of that, can certainly be mitigated with just better fundamentals. You know, playing a little bit wiser, not smarter. He's a smart kid. 
and he wants to do well. But just playing a little bit more efficiently, a, a little bit more understanding that there's another down to play. There's another game to play. And, you know, as much as you want to be as physical as you possibly can, this is a physical sport after all, you still have to play with a better under, with an understanding to live to see another day, to play, to, to, to get, you know, be able to give another play. Injuries are obviously going to happen, but there's some fundamental things. Remember we talked about Jonathan Abram first couple of years of his career, and honestly how reckless he played. And sometimes it didn't even just hurt him or take him out of position. It's sometimes you're running into the wrong guy, like your teammate, you know, and kind of knocking them out of the game a little bit. That's right, Devon. We've seen that, right? Yeah, it happened a few times. <laughs> That's the worst. It was one of those things he's hurt more players on his own team than on the opposing team. That's, yeah, that's like, um, what do you call it? Uh, Raider on Raider crime, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially. Can't have that. Oh, my God. Even when he almost took out, like, what was that? The camera the camera operating thing on like Monday Night Football? three people out one time. So, you know, and even he said, hey, you know, I can't make a highlight play every single play. And that's that's sometimes that fine line that you're looking for that sometimes determines whether you're going to be able to go huddle it up and go play the next play or be headed to the blue tent to get checked out. And we, how many times have we seen that happen with Trayvon Mullen? A lot because it's not, like you said, it's not his fault because they are like those freak injuries. But sometimes you just can't help it. Remember Big Baby, uh, NBA Big Big Baby? Of course. Okay. So, um, <laughs> and I, I bring this up because Trayvon Mullen is like that. Sometimes with Trayvon Mullen, it, look, it looks like his career is over. I'm, I'm being facetious here, but sometimes he's withering around, rolling around. You're like, uh-oh, he's gone for the game. Goes to the sideline and he's back in three plays. It looked like he just resurrects, right, from uh, from the ground. Well, big baby. Doc Rivers told me the story about how, and I, I substantiated this with big baby. Because he's like, oh, I remember that. I remember that story. So Doc Rivers said that big baby in practice and sometimes in games was notorious for falling down like he died. I'm just going to throw it out there. He's rolling around in pain and he's and you're all worried and he's and and Doc's like and out of nowhere, he would just resurrect and be okay. And it got to the point where it's like just get up. <laughs> you know, you kind of know that that's what's happening. So, um they're in the playoffs. It's it's uh, Orlando against the Celtics and Big Baby just runs into somebody from Orlando and goes he's on the floor Rithering around and 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 Doc's like I'm over here yelling, get off your you know what get up you've a get up just cussing him out get your you know up you know and I remember talking to Big Baby he goes oh I heard that <laughs> I was I, I heard Coach screaming at me and so he struggles to get up and this is where Doc Rivers said this time I was wrong. Big Baby, they were on their side of the court. They were on the Celtics' side of the court, and he was try- He got up to try to run down to the other end of the court to go play defense. And Doc says, I knew it was serious when Big Baby's kind of trying to struggle. All of a sudden, he just plops down right in front of my feet. I was like, oh, uh, yeah. And, and Big Baby's like, yeah, man. 
Thanks, coach. <laughs> Thanks for believing me, coach. So, But there are times where players are just like that. It looks like it's the end of the line, the end of the game, and then they're back out there playing, and Trayvon Mullen has kind of been like that. But anyway, long story uh, to say they need cornerbacks. We don't know where Casey Hayward is going to be uh, at the, you know, whether he resigns uh, with the Raiders or not. Remember, he was only on a one-year deal. Does he fit the system? Um, is he a fit for what Patrick Graham is trying to do? He was a per- perfect fit, obviously, for uh, Gus Bradley. He played under Gus Bradley and Ron Miles. So maybe that's not the right, this isn't the right place for him. I'm not saying that. Um, but we're going to find out here pretty soon. So when you're talking about the draft, when you're talking about free agency, and we're going to have Sam Monson from uh, Pro Football Focus on at 4.30 to talk about this, this is where it kind of starts getting exciting. You can start, if you're a Raider fan, you can start imagining, all right, this is how much money we got to spend. And there'll probably be a little bit more um, as players either restructure contracts or they release players. You know, you got to start making the moves that are going to put you in a position to make the moves that you want to make. And that's where we don't know yet where somebody brought up today to me. What about Denzel Perryman? Is he going to be, is he in the picture? He's under contract for next year. Is he for sure coming back? I'm, I think, but you never know. With a new regime, you just don't know with certain players because, and it's never anything personal. The position that Denzel plays at his size, and he played it very well, let's be honest, last year, led the team in tackles. But maybe he's not a fit for what the new defensive coordinator does. That's why you sometimes have to, when when players are like, we want the coach back. We want Coach Passaccia back. We want the whole season. Yeah, because you know what your role is under those guys. You've earned, you know, not just the trust. It's not a trust factor. Sometimes it is. But it's also you fit the scheme, and so you're comfortable here, and it's understandable that you want to come back. Go ahead, Devon. And also, it's just about, like you said, being comfortable. But sometimes it's just like I know what time practice is going to start. Yes. I know how he runs his practice. Right. You know what you can get away with, what you can't get away with. Right. What if the new coach comes in? Like it's a tight ship. I want, like you know, I want to see everybody's face at six a.m. It, it could you be, it could be all those know. kind of things that you just Heck don't yeah. know. So it, sometimes it's not even about playing. It's just like the new boss at work. Exactly. And nobody wants to necessarily go through that. Did I ever tell you this story about <laughs> we had a sports editor at the Daily News, all right? He was the head guy. The head guy. I'm not going to name names, but you know who I'm talking about out there if you're listening. And so that guy, the sports editor, gets replaced by an executive sports editor, Damon. They hired somebody to be above the sports editor. So our sports editor has to move from the big office that he was occupying to the smaller office. So he's moving his stuff as the sports editor to the smaller office next door to make room for the executive sports editor who had just been hired to be above him. And it was the most humbling thing that you're ever going to see because we had to watch our sports editor pack up all of his stuff to move five feet down the hall, right next door, all right? And so, you know how, okay, a new boss we got to make. Is this guy going to be nice? Is he going to be cool? What's the deal going to be? Is are we going to be, is it going to be status quo as, as it was? What's the deal going to be? So later on that day, after both guys get packed into their new office, the, 
previous sports editor, who's now underneath the executive sports editor, he would have he had this little. It was a little bit harder than a Nerf football, Devon. All right, and he would always just like, hey, heads up, you know, throw it to you, kind of deal. So you had to be heads up and look, and you know, catch the football before it hits you in the face. So he's sitting out with us in the general office. And here comes the executive sports editor coming out of his office, wearing his glasses and everything like that. And the previous sports <laughs> sports editor, I can still picture this, and I'm still laughing, throws the ball and says, hey, heads up, Doug. You know, And Doug kind of looks up, startled. The ball nails him right in the face, breaks his gla- glasses. They're like hanging off of his face. And we're all just, wow. <laughs> I mean, that is not the impression that you want to make. On day one, you just broke the – and he was pissed off. But what can he – you know, so what an auspicious – have you ever had like a uh, just got on and off on the wrong foot? I mean, he was already the coach for the season, but I did do like the same thing to an assistant basketball coach my senior year on the team, you know. Uh, the ball – it's like a loose ball, you know, you're just trying to get it back in play for right. the drill. And I just chuck it down the court. It takes that – it takes like two – a couple of bounces – and one of those bounces hits the assistant coach in the face, <laughs> knocks off the glasses, but also gets a little blood from the oh. I, I nailed him. Well, it wasn't technically me. What the did ball, you do? The ball was just bouncing. What did I do? Uh, practice got stopped for a little bit, but there was no punishment. Thankfully, <laughs> did how how? Oh, he was pissed. How tall did you feel? Like how did you? Was there a hole that you're? You know how you just because you didn't mean to, obviously. Exactly. And it was the last guy you wanted to do it too. I saw a guy. We had a guy in our football, our high school football team, Michael Bryant, one of the goofiest dudes you're ever going to meet, and uh, he was just screwing around. Over off to the sidelines while we're doing a little scrimmage, working on something, first team offense, first team defense, and he just decides he's going to punt the ball. And he he's like, uh, you know, punts it. It just bounce, you know, like it, it was one of those uh, like when you when 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 you slice a golf ball where it doesn't go straight, it goes <laughs> right or left. Beeline, beeline to the new head coach who had just started that year, so it was probably the f- fifth day in pads. And with this guy was just standing there calling a play, and all of a sudden this football from about 20 yards away, moving very fast, just nailed him right in the side of the face, went down. It wasn't good, and he was not a cool dude. That coach was, uh, oh, I got some stories about him, though. Back out to the freight, not back out, for the first time out to the Raider Nation listener line. Frank is on the line. Let's talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Frank? Hey, Vinny, how are you? We're doing great. Listen, I'm a Rams fan, and I miss you covering the Rams, Vinny. And I just want to get something off my chest. Okay. Uh-oh. Why do Why do they keep saying L.A., they own L.A., the Raiders, when they <laughs> haven't won a title in 38 years and have only been in the playoffs two years? Be careful. I care about you, Frank. 20 years. I mean, explain that to me. They're living in the past. Well, okay, uh, Frank, uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate the compliment. Uh, those were f- great years covering the How Rams. How dare you, Frank? No doubt about it. Um, okay, so here's the deal. And this is what I tell Raider fans, too. There are, as we speak, still more Raider fans than Ram fans in Los Angeles. There are. Um, and I think that even Rams people would, would admit that. Okay? But... <laughs> This is where I sort of draw the line. Anybody, unless you're the Lakers or the Dodgers, who use the term, we run Los Angeles. No, 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 no. And I love all 
Raider Nation. Love all Ram fans. Love all whatever 49er fans. I love. I got love for everybody. It's not a hate thing. It's a realistic thing. Nobody, no NFL uh, team runs. When I think runs Los Angeles, I think like get out of my way. Like everywhere you look, that's what you see. I do with Lakers and I see Dodger hats all the time when I'm in LA. See Laker gear, Kobe, uh, Bryant jerseys, LeBron jerseys, Shaq, Magic, going all the way, Kareem, James Worthy, old school, new school, Showtime, Lake, the the, uh, uh, Lake Show uh, era, the Shaq-Kobe era. Like I see all of that. Fernando, Valenzuela from, and of course I see Raider gear when I go to Los Angeles, but I also see Rams gear. And Frank understands what I'm talking about. Just watch the videos of the parade, watch the videos of the celebrations when the Rams won the Super Bowl. There are definitely Ram fans there. So, but they don't run LA. And maybe they will at some point. And it's, it just stands to reason that the longer they are physically there, like DeMond made a great point. I think it was yesterday. When Cooper Cup goes out to an elementary school in Southern California, that eight-year-old kid, 10-year-old kid, Damon, who do you think he's going to end up being a fan of probably? Cooper Cup. Why? Because that's who you see. I, like I'll use an example for me, Mike Conley. I remember uh, Mike as, Conley, great player. As a kid, you know, it was like it was before Grizzlies game, and it was Mike Conley's rookie year, and he, he's just talking to us kids. We got to like shoot some balls on the hoop and everything. This, we're on an NBA court before the game. Well, however many a number of kids it was, and Mike Conley took a few questions. But you know who one of my favorite players growing up was? Mike Conley. Mike Conley. It's like it's a tra- every year. If Mike Conley doesn't make the All Star game. Right. This is a travesty. How can Mike Conley not even at least be a replacement right. on the All Star team? Exactly. Even though he's in Utah, I'm still rooting for Mike Conley. There you go. Because I'm seeing him when I was probably like 11, 12 years old. That's, it's it's going to happen. And and especially with the Rams having the kind of success that they are, it's going to happen. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that Raider fans will not still exist. Obviously, they will. They'll always have a strong foothold here. Now that I live in Las Vegas for the last two years, I completely understand how close this really is to Southern California. It's literally figuratively okay literally figuratively kind of 50 50 on that a suburb of los angeles in southern california i get all the la stations on my direct tv package don't have to pay an extra cents it, it's like i still live in california so yes you're always going to still have the raider contingency in los angeles but unless you just don't understand mathematics unless you just don't understand how marketing works or just kind of growing up in an area where there's a team that you can root for if you're all these kids. And I'm talking about it's going to take 10 years or so. Hold on real quick. Yeah. I just thought about something. Yeah. Frank said he's a Rams fan. Yes. Why you? Uh, thank, I, I appreciate every listener we get. But why are you calling our station, Frank? He's probably listening. This, or maybe he sees it on Twitter. Oh, I don't know. Sounds like a double agent to me. Why would he do that? Call a Rams station with that complaint, Frank. But thanks for listening. Yes, exactly. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Dustin is in North California, Northern uh, NorCal, probably. But Dustin, Dustin probably has the same thing, right? You got the 49ers, you got the Raiders up there, right? With the 49ers, who are they? I don't know anything about no 49ers. Come on, come on. The Raiders are a world. By the way, the Raiders are a world. Hey, my son, he's not right here. He has something to say about the Rams. Rams suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, but where are you? You're, out, of course, of course. Well, um, we're in Sacramento area. Of course, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. let me let me so ask you this. Let me ask you this. Do yeah. you know? Do you know whose jersey 
the, who who the top selling jersey was this year um, in Los Angeles in the NFL? Uh, Tom Brady. No, it was actually George Kittle. <laughs> it was George oh, Kittle. Cool. Yeah, and and that's enough. Cool. Yeah, that's another thing that we have to play into it. There's a lot of mm-hmm. 49er fans in Southern California, too. There is, and the 49er fans are ridiculously <laughs> overwhelming. I'm just joking. They're over, they're always out here. But we're, Raiders, we're, we're, we'd be kind of laying low, but we're coming back now. I've seen a lot of more Raider fans this year. I'm going to tell you what. It's been great to see a lot of kids wearing Raider gears, too. That's what's awesome. No, no, no doubt about it. And the more they start to win, especially now, and, and look, mm-hmm. they're kind of dealing with that here in Las Vegas. You know, they weren't going to just take over Las Vegas as Las Vegas's um, favorite, favorite team because you had a whole bunch of fans here in Las Vegas that grew up fans of other teams or they just moved here. And so that that's a little bit of a process that the Raiders are, are yeah. undergoing right now. And the like more, yeah, the longer they're here, the more they win, the more they're going to claim Las Vegas as their own. And it will happen. It's it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh I was calling though about uh, free agency. Yes, um, Michael Thomas. He's disgruntled. Guy's incredible when he's healthy. What do you guys think? Oh well, Michael Thomas. Uh, you put him on the Raiders, and that works. By the way, shout out to Taft High School in Woodland Hills, California, where Mike Thomas went. Um, Yes, there's no doubt. I mean, I've obviously you're gonna, and I wrote about this today. Obviously, you're gonna hear a lot about Devonte Adams. Um, it makes a lot of sense. You know, we had Brad Spielberger on yesterday from Pro Football Focus. He talked about how e there's those connections. Yeah, they're real. Uh, they're real between uh, Adams and, and the Raiders. Obviously, you know, Derek Carr and Devonte, good friends. They've talked about it publicly. Devon Cotton. They've been flirting for a little while now on social media. We've seen it. Like normally, you don't have people, guys, like literally bringing it out as much as they have, but. Derek Carr's like, yes, if we can get a chance, I would love to have Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams like, yes, if I had a chance, I'd love to play for, with Derek Carr. And some of that is obviously trying to create leverage for Devontae Adams to get a better contract, all of that. But that said, I think if Aaron Rodgers, if that situation plays out a certain way, I don't think there's any doubt that Devontae Adams has his eye on Las Vegas uh, as a potential landing spot because he'd go to a quarterback that he's comfortable with in a great city. Uh, a team that's on the rise and a team that he can absolutely make a difference on Devon Cotton. I don't think that he's going anywhere. I think it's nice to say, but I do think that Aaron Aaron Rodgers is like the best friend now. You can still have that best friend from college, but I feel like he knows where it's good at. Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he's leaving Green Bay, and I don't think Devontae Adams is either. They just brought back that old QB coach that I think Aaron Rodgers is going to stay for but another for how year. Long? At least another couple of years. That's Why would you, I don't think that he wants to leave, though. I think because they, they both put out on their stories the last dance. I don't think they watched the documentary because Mike and them, they left, and they're still staying. They did leave. But they're like, oh, the last dance. We're, this season's going to be our last dance season. No, that didn't. Yeah, yeah, it didn't happen. It doesn't look like it's going to happen either. But if you're, you're, all, if you're Devontae, I mean, you know, I don't know how all this works necessarily, but if I'm Devontae Adams, I'm going to be, you know, hey, hey, brother. Hook me up, all right? So I'm not asking to spill the beans here, but how long do you think you're going to be sticking around here in Green Bay, you know? And I'm sure Aaron's like, 10 years. Oh, okay, then I'll sign that long-term contract. But just remember this about Aaron Rodgers. Didn't he just break up with another? Um, they were they were engaged, weren't they? That ain't got nothing to do with this, man. But I'm just saying, like, he's a little <laughs> bit. 
Yeah, trying to not trying to trying to trying to pin him down can be a little bit difficult. Out to the Raider Nation listener line. Ralph is on the line. What's up, Ralph? No Ralph. No Ralph. Let's go out to FC Willie. FC Willie. Is it Wiley or Willie? Willie. All right, Willie. What's up, brother? Hey, man. Uh, thanks for taking my call. You got it. I just want to address uh, something that's kind of growing on Twitter. This has been an ongoing thing, and I don't know. I look at this objectively, and I kind of start to wonder, but a lot of people on Twitter are saying, the NFL seems rigged at this point, you know, and I only reason I kind of give it any thought is, you know, the Rams seem like a, a team just too big to fail, just too big to fail. And I, I really could kind of understand, like you talked about marketing and you talk about all that and all the hype. And, you know, in Petros here in L.A., I live here in L.A. Oh, you know, Petros. Petros. He's not awesome doing He's not man. talking about it being rigged, is he? He's talking about the fact that the media in L.A. is gaslighting people here to make us believe that the Rams are beloved. And I've been, I gotta tell you, they're not. And you know what? I'm sorry. Beloved? You just said beloved. That's a, that's a strong word. (laughs) They're, they're a team that's growing their fan base out. Nobody's, I don't think they're beloved. I think, I think there's certainly some, I I have, I I grew up with fans that are still alive that were in love with the Rams. They were there for 46 years. Are they collectively beloved in Los Angeles? No, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. So if you're arguing that people are trying to argue that they're beloved in Los Angeles, it's, it's, it's a pointless argument because nobody's saying that. They're still trying to get back to that status. No, no. My point is, I'm just wondering, and I'm sure you probably will shoot this down immediately, but do you think there's any way the NFL could be rigged? No. Because think about it. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, you know, and it's, 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 if Petros is really saying that, I got to call Petros up. He's, he cannot be fanning those flames. I, there's no way that he could seriously be saying that. And I love Petros. He knows that. People letting loose on Friday. I mean, come on. You, think about what depths you would have to go. Like, how are you as the commissioner or the NFL going to sell that to 31 other owners? Yeah, we're going to look out for the Rams. Um and and at your expense. Do you realize how serious an allegation that would be and how pissed off every other owner who pays those salaries in the NFL office would be? There'd be hell to pay, and rightfully so. No, there's no NFL being rigged. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. on a Friday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Friday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a friend of the show and a friend to football fans. And as I sit here... If you aren't following Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus, what the heck are you thinking? Go follow him at PFF underscore Sam. And first of all, Sam, thank you so much for spending some time with us today in the huddle. How are you doing, my friend? Doing well. Thanks for having me. You got it. And we are already, you know, it's funny. We turned the page on Sunday, the Rams beating the Bengals in the Super Bowl. And for me, that officially starts the next season. And it's already time as I cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal and do this show free agency, the draft, it's already cooking. It's already full head of steam, uh, steam ahead as teams start plotting their, their plans and blueprints and all of that good stuff. Uh, quick question for you starting off. 
obviously Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler are now in place uh, as the head of the football operations for the Raiders. What can Raider Nation, do you think, expect to see maybe that's different in their approach than perhaps the previous regime's approach? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, what kind of Josh McDaniels we're getting now, because obviously he's had a, a shot at a head coaching gig before, but it was a long time ago, and it, it went spectacularly badly within the <laughs> same division. But then he goes back to New England and really kind of paid his dues and, and spent years at the head of that offense with the Patriots, with Tom Brady, and then the last couple of years post-Tom Brady, and is is widely regarded as being one of the the key art architects of that offense. And that offense has been through a lot of different uh, iterations and evolutions. And um, so I think you're going to get a guy who is a good offensive mind, who's a good play caller, who understands how to create an offense. And in theory, most of the things that he fell down on last time in terms of, you know, personnel management and, and roster construction, those are, are outside of his purview largely this time. So I think we should, get a much uh, improved version of Josh McDaniels this time around. And in conjunction with Dave Ziegler, who he goes uh, a ways back with, um, and Dave Ziegler made it very clear that the buck stops you know, at his desk in terms of the decisions. But the way it's been described to me is that when it gets to that point, It'll have largely been a consensus that was formed amongst you know the the, the people that they have in that office um, in terms of okay he's going to make the final decision but the final decision will have already been made throughout talks and arguments and all that good stuff so they'll have a consensus but in that way with Dave Ziegler doing what he does uh, with his staff how will that do you think change a little bit for the Raiders compared to let's say when you know it was John Gruden and Mike Mayock in charge. Yeah, well, when when Gruden was there, I, I think it was pretty clear that Gruden was the guy making all of those decisions. And, you know, Mike Mayock came on board, and it, it was very difficult to see Mayock as anything other than just a kind of front man for, for John Gruden's personnel decision-making. And certainly in a lot of areas, particularly the draft and early in the draft, those moves have not been good. Um, and they've not just that they haven't been good, but they've been consistently... Um, surprising to people. They've right. been reaches relative to the, the kind of consensus draft board and, uh, and those kinds of things. And if you're going to go out on a limb versus what appears to be the rest of the league or the consensus opinion on a player, that's fine, but you have to be right. You know, if you're, and if you're going to do that time after time after time, and almost every single one of those reaches blows up in your face, I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster. And even if um, John Gruden hadn't have left the way he had, he was going to be coming under more and more pressure given the way those first-round picks have been panning out in recent years. Okay, so Dave Ziegler is now, let's just say, in, in charge of the draft um, and free agency, uh, obviously with in conjunction with, uh, with Josh McDaniels. Um, there's some glaring needs, I think, on this Raiders team, Sam, and that's what I really wanted to get you uh, on the show for today. I'd say wide receiver, offensive line. Whether you, it's a tackle to to, uh, to in order to keep Andrew Whitworth or Andrew, they would be great if they had Andrew Whitworth. They would love that. Uh, to, um, uh, um, Leatherwood, Alex Leatherwood at, at guard, go get a tackle or vice versa, uh, and then cornerback is what I'm looking at really as the three biggest needs for the, for the Raiders. Where do you stand on what the Raiders need, 
And if you're Dave Ziegler, how do you go about filling those three needs? Yeah, I think those are probably the the three biggest areas. Um, and a free agency is always interesting because you know we get the the free agent rankings that we have that we have right now on on pff.com, um, and you know that a bunch of those players are going to get tagged. They're not actually going to hit the market. Guys like Devonte Adams, in theory, if he was to actually get to the open market, would be one of the best free agents uh, to hit the open market in years. I know. You know, Tom Brady was a free agent, but that was a kind of weird yes. uh, situation where Brady was towards the end of his career. We knew it wasn't a long-term thing, but when you factor in age and being right in the, the peak of their prime, um, Devontae Adams would be as good as it's been in free agency for a number of years. But I, I think there's almost no chance that he hits the open market at all. Um, and so you have to start going to the next tier of guys. And Chris Godwin, I think, coming off that injury might actually make it to free agency. Allen Robinson from Chicago probably makes it to free agency. Um, Odell Beckham, now that he's been injured, could potentially make it to free agency as well. So there are some legitimate number one type receivers, guys that can come in and play the X or the Z position um, and really improve pretty much any offense they step onto that I think the Raiders would definitely be uh, interested in or, or wise to kick the tires on and see what the price tag gets to on those guys. Um, and then when it comes to you know the offensive line, I think it's it's not a bad season or not a bad off season for offensive linemen this year. Maybe not the the superstars, but I think there's a lot of depth on the offensive line. And the Raiders' offensive line is is one that has enough problems that they need to attack you know multiple spots. They just need to start upping the the average level of these guys, try and get all five uh, members of that offensive line to an adequate level where there aren't any weak links. So I think they're going to start looking at, at the sort of second tier of free agents in, uh, available, which won't excite people necessarily, but I think will make a big difference. Guys like Connor Williams uh, from Dallas, a guard who, you know, you listen to Dallas fans and they're not, they don't like Connor Williams because <laughs> relative to guys like Tyron Smith and Travis Frederick and, Zach Martin and Lyle Collins, the superstars in that offensive line. Williams is the weak link, but he's still an average starter. And an average starter for Dallas is a weak link, but an average starter for the Raiders would be a big upgrade over you know a couple of their positions. So guys like Connor Williams or even James Daniels, um, Lakin Tomlinson as well, I think there's a lot of offensive linemen in that kind of second tier that would upgrade this line in a huge way, but not necessarily break the bank. Um. When you go back to the wide receivers, and we're talking to Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Sam, and Pro Football Focus does have their uh, kind of annual um, free agent list, uh, top to bottom. I think what you guys do, two hundred players? Was it was it uh, the top two hundred free agents? Yeah, we're up to two hundred now, and they'll be we'll be adding guys as they get cut, and, and potentially another little batch of of people once the the signing start happening. Yeah, it's great. I was uh, I took a deep dive into it uh, today, and uh, it's really fascinating, especially to see where you guys rank them and and you know their strengths and their weaknesses, their age, what they expect uh, to potentially what the market uh, might be for them. So uh, I highly urge you guys. I I pay the monthly fee. It's more than worth it uh, to get it, especially in moments like this let alone throughout the course of the season to keep track of guys that you cover and where they're ranking uh, amongst their peers. Uh, but when you when you mention Allen Robinson and you mention Chris Godwin, um, for argument's sake, let's say they got one or the other. Uh, does that solve 
the Henry Rugg situation and, uh, you know, get that wide receiver group along with Hunter Renfro and obviously Darren Waller kind of where it needs to be. And does that lift that offense, um, you know, uh, as well? I think it would go a long way towards doing that, particularly Allen Robinson, who I think is, has probably got a, a longer track record of being that true number one that can win in all areas of the field. And particularly deep downfield on the outside, I think Robinson has a, a much better track record of that than Chris Godwin. Um, either one of those guys, I think, would go a huge way towards making this receiving core go a lot better. But the one missing piece of the, the kind of skill set, the composite skill set from everybody that would be there, would still be that kind of designated deep threat, the thing that they have missed since uh, the team got rid of Henry Ruggs. But that's the kind of skill that you can find in the draft. And if you only need the guy to be able to do that, you can find it you know, relatively low in the draft. You don't necessarily need to go in the first couple of rounds and get that guy. You can find speedsters in the mid-rounds and later. So it wouldn't necessarily mean they're done, you know, that they've stopped, they've fixed it, the, the receiving core is done, they don't need to touch it anymore. But it would mean they can be a lot, it would give them a lot more flexibility to attack that later on in the draft and not have to uh, shoot for a marquee player higher up. What other offensive linemen uh, could Raider fans keep an eye on? Uh, like you said, it, it might not be guys that break the bank, but considering where the Raiders were last year at certain positions, like you said, if you could just get average guys at this point, that goes a long way. Yeah, and I think it's a really great free agent period for exactly that. There's a ton of, it sounds you know damning with faint praise, but there are a ton of average linemen available in this free agent period, potentially. Guys like Austin Corbett, the Rams is going to hit free agency. Um, ben Jones, uh, a center that's never really had a bad year at all, is going to be available. Alex Kappa from Tampa Bay, who's been part of that, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Um, Trent Brown, who the oh the don't 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 Sam, don't I know I know but Trent Brown all <laughs> no keep saying it well. keep saying it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even guys like you know you go down the list further. Riley Reef was playing yes. okay before he got injured for the Bengals this year, and the loss of Riley Reef was actually one of the the biggest things for that offensive line that kind of took it from viable to really problematic to the point where they were just getting wrecked in the Super Bowl in the, when they when they got there. If they had Riley Reef for that game, you know, maybe it would have turned out differently. Yeah, I mean, you just brought up a great point. Uh, a, a, a good, solid player might not be an all-pro, might not be a guy that, uh, you know, uh, you're going to make plans for to be at the Pro Bowl, but his loss was felt tremendously on a on a team like the Bengals, and that's why they lost in the Super Bowl. Um, so guys like that can help, and those are the guys I think that um, you know the Ra- Raiders and Raider fans should should keep an eye on, just because they're not that far off. I don't think, and a little bit of help can go a long way. Really quick, defensively, anybody? Uh, obviously, there's some some cornerbacks with some Patriot ties. There's a lot of Patriot, uh, a lot of big Patriot feel to the Raiders right now. Anybody that you can see from New England that this new regime might have an eye on, especially defensively. Yeah, it's a weird year. Um, I don't think I think J.C. Jackson is in that same kind of boat as Devontae Adams. I just don't see how the Patriots could let him hit the open market, given how important he is to that defense right now. They let go of Stephon Gilmore, and I think that was with the idea that J.C. Jackson could step up into that role and be their number one guy. He had a, a career year, so it would, it would seem kind of crazy to, for the Patriots to let him walk, given what's behind him on their depth chart. Um, but if he does... 
he's obviously the best free agent available and a, a true kind of ball hawk uh, within within that defense and presumably with any other defense he steps into. Stephon Gilmore, I think, showed last season that he's still got some gas in the tank and at you know, 32 years old or whatever he is right now, 31, 32, um, he's not going to be, I think, commanding a ton of money or certainly not long-term. He might be a, a guy that a team would take a risk on uh, thinking they can get one or two more elite years out of him. Darius Williams from the Rams is an interesting guy as well. He, yes. I think benefited a lot from the role that Jalen Ramsey takes on that defense, you know, being able to move around and covering some of the best receivers and not necessarily exposing Darius Williams to some of those really unfavorable matchups. But he's played well in the NFL, and he was a guy that graded really well for us in college as well and has really kind of massively overachieved relative to how uh, to his size. So he's not a big guy, but he consistently plays really well. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, those are names, Raider Nation, uh, to keep an eye on. It's going to get hot and heavy here uh, really quick. It kind of already is. But I think there's help out there for the Raiders, and it doesn't have to break the bank um, at that. Maybe at that wide receiver position uh, it will a little bit, but I think the Raiders can fill some really big, important needs at a fairly moderate price. Uh, and thanks to guys like Sam Monson and Pro Football Focus, uh, we can definitely stay on top of that uh, better uh, now than we ever could. Sam, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the hollow. Truly appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you down the road, my friend. Anytime. Thanks for having me. You got it. That was Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. Uh, Darius Williams is a guy to keep an eye on. Um, a, a young, still ascending player. Uh, and yes, he was in a good situation with the Rams, but but you know when you're not going to attack Jalen Ramsey, and why would you if you're an opposing uh, quarterback often, you're going to work to the other side. And that was where Darius Williams was, and he more than held his own. He showed that he can play these last couple of years. And I think that He's a guy that's not going to break the bank, but could definitely step in as a day one starter for the Raiders uh, and, and make a difference. Um, so we'll see. There's plenty of names, and we're going to get to more uh, when we come back because uh, it's that time of year, and we love it here at Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m. on a Saturday, Friday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Jay is in Vegas. How you doing, Jay? I'm doing good. Vinny and Damon, first time on first time caller. Appreciate you guys taking my call. Thank uh, you very much. Yes, sir. Uh, man, I just had to respond to that guy, that Rams fan. I think, what's his name? Frankie. So, so I'm on my way home from work listening to him, and I, I felt compelled to pull over, man, and, and to respond to that guy. And I hope he's still listening. And let me break it down for you, bro, uh, buddy, why uh, the Raiders are, you know, the L.A. is still a Raider town. And it all circles back to Al Davis, man. Look, pride and poise, commitment to excellence, just win. Those things right there, man, that's a way of life. That's a, that's, that, those are things that could be applied to in everyday life. And when the Raiders moved down to, uh, from Oakland down to L.A., it trans, that, that, that way of thinking transitioned well. You know, I was born in L.A. back in 83. We moved over here to Vegas back uh, in 91. And for all the glitz and glam that is L.A., there is a huge blue-collar, you know, uh, uh, a network of people that you know is in Los Angeles. Absolutely, and they, and they and they live 
by those slogans, you know. And and the and the thing is, is we have a fan base all around the nation because of that way of thinking, that Raider way of thinking. Right. So so you know, and now you know, with them moving to to, to Vegas, you know, I'm starting to see the local uh, way, you know, the local fan base here that is born and raised in Vegas starting to come along. Yeah. And it, and and that way of thinking is 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 you know is starting to get ingrained into the local fan base. No doubt so, about it and that will continue to grow. I completely agree with you Jay uh, here in in Las Vegas for for the Raiders, but for the same reasons it will continue to grow for the Rams in uh, Los Angeles as well. They're getting their feet back uh, into their old region. Remember, the Rams were there from 1946 to 1994. That's a long time. Now they did leave Los Angeles, LA for Orange County in 1979, so they sacrificed a lot when they did that, and the Raiders backfilled uh, L.A. for the next 12 years after they left in 1979, the, the 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 Rams. But for the same reasons that the Raiders will continue to just um, turn fans here in Las Vegas, young fans that they're going out to visit uh, over at the schools right now and the middle schools, kids that are growing up right now with the Raiders as the Las Vegas Raiders right here in their town, um, a lot of those kids are going to grow up Raider fans. And they're always going to have the Raiders, Raider Nation, all over the country, really the world, and certainly in Southern California. But the fact is, and this is what I've, this is all I've been saying, and I don't know why it's so controversial for Raider fans, but the longer the Rams are back in Los Angeles and Southern California, the same kids that we're talking about here in Las Vegas, now growing up to be Raider fans, are going to be growing up to be Ram fans. And even some that are going to grow up, believe it or not, to be Charger fans, because those are the two teams that are in town. It doesn't, it's not a put down, it's not a slight at any way toward any team or, or anything like that. Because um, there's a lot of, in addition to Raider fans in Los Angeles, there's 49er fans, there's Cowboy fans. The Cowboys practice in Southern California every year and have been almost since the 70s, since I was a kid. Um, you have uh, Giants fans, Patriots fans. You have a lot of fans of other teams that are in L.A., whether it was because they moved there from previous places or the last 20-some-odd years when there wasn't a team in Los Angeles, they grew up uh, as fans and just picked a team because that's they liked the team color, the team was winning, uh, the players, uh, they, they liked one of the players on the team. Whatever For whatever reason, that, Ram, that fans become fans, that's what was happening in Los Angeles. But my point is, and this isn't any slight, it's really common sense, the longer the Rams are in Los Angeles, the more fans they're going to continue to build in Los Angeles, their home city now. And especially with the way they are winning. <laughs> They've been to two Super Bowls in five years. They just won the Super Bowl. There's a bunch of kids that are growing up looking at that going, wow, that's our, that's my team. That's, that's the team that I want to root for. It's okay. It's cool. It'll never, ever hurt Raider Nation in Southern California. Ever. It's not going to cut into Raider Nation. It's going to be all those fans that aren't part of Raider Nation um, that are growing up now and watching the local team that are going to grow up uh, being fans of the Rams, just like the kids here in Las Vegas are growing up now being Raider fans. It's just the way it rolls. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Friday.